You're listening to a Richwood Church podcast on a sermon series entitled Breakthrough. Tuesdays seem like it was always a different kind of day. For the, for the Nichols family who were stationed in Senegal and are Southern Baptist missionaries, this was the day that they would go down and minister to the tribe at a courtyard that the chief had given them to do so. But it always seemed that something went wrong on Tuesdays. There would be these nagging illnesses. The the car would break down. There would be fumbling around the presentation. They couldn't remember things they should know. And then there was this overwhelming discouragement. And they would often look at each other and say, what are we doing here? What are we accomplishing here? Well, Elliot and Pat were in the village one day and they showed the Jesus film. You know the one, the one that missionaries show all around the world in all the different languages in order to get the message of the gospel out. And after the film was over, a few people sat motionless, a few people just sat and cried. But all of a sudden, this chief that had given him the space, got up and he grabbed this cane he used because he had just had a stroke and he kind of hobbled over to him and tears were just streaming down his face. And he said, this is the greatest day of my life because my people are starting to get it. You see, this had not been an easy road for Elliot and Pat. And Tuesdays were a nightmare But is that any coincidence? No, of course not. They they knew that there were other entities that were trying to stop them from doing the work. And their battle was not against people. It was against the supernatural powers of darkness. But they were winning. The chief had got it, and soon the tribe will too. But now let's talk about your spiritual battles. You know the ones, right? The, the heaviness, the discouragement, the battles with temptation that seem overwhelming, that hopelessness. And, and though the Nichols would agree, they would say this. They said, we don't believe there's a demon around every tree. But Tuesdays, <laughs> Tuesdays were different. So maybe it's time in your own life to stop denying the existence of spiritual warfare. Maybe it's time to start understanding that there is an enemy that wants to destroy you. And wherever a believer is doing the work of God, Satan soon will follow. But I also want you to be encouraged this morning that you are on the winning team. You can have victory through the power of Christ. But you need Christ. Because the war you're fighting is not a war of this world, it's an otherworldly war. And so today is the day to submit to the power of Jesus, to break through the lines of the enemy that want to destroy you. But you need God. And here's where we're going to start with this simple point this morning. The battle you're in is a spiritual one, and we need to start understanding this because it's too easy to make it a personal one. 
And so this morning we're going to see that as we move toward breakthroughs in our lives against the work of Satan, that we can just be in the hands of Christ, and He has already won this battle. So please open your Bibles, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning in verse 3. 2 Corinthians 10, beginning in verse 3. If you want to grab that Bible that's in the rack in front of you, you can use page 969. Your Ridgewood app is also available to download. You just touch media, go to study guide, and to today's date. 2 Corinthians 10, beginning in verse 3. So here, the Apostle Paul will remind us in no uncertain terms that our battle is against the spiritual world. He, he's already told this in, in Ephesians 6.12, in this famous passage, for, do, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. But now here, he's going to be specific about what kind of strongholds we are fighting against. So let's begin in verse 3, 2 Corinthians 10. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your Obedience is complete. We are not waging war against the flesh or according to the flesh. Now, this church in Corinth that Paul's writing to had a really complicated relationship with the apostle. Recently, before he wrote this, the church was in rebellion against him. But most had come back into the line, into line but there were still these false apostles, false teachers and their argument was this, Paul never would have had to go through all that suffering and hardship if he was a real apostle. But then Paul would retort, hey, you don't understand. It's the suffering and the weakness and all of that that helps people find Christ more deeply because I'm all about the power of Christ. And now here, as we land in chapter 10, he refutes those who have been criticizing his humble appearance, the fact that he doesn't use fancy rhetoric, and he understands very clearly and helps us understand that his strength comes from Christ because his message is simple. It's the cross. It's Christ crucified. It's the gospel. That's where the power for Paul was, and it is for us. So as he faced these opponents... He made it clear that our battle isn't against that person or that person or that organization or that organization. It's against the spiritual realm. And in order to break through the lines of this enemy and find victory, we need to start at a very fundamental level that sadly many in churches today don't believe. And that is this. We break through enemy lines when we believe the devil is real. And so, we're not talking about an idea 
or some kind of a philosophy or some kind of a metaphor for the, no we're talking about an entity that scripture refers to clearly it's lucifer who was the greatest of all angels the most beautiful of all angels who fell to earth because of pride and one one of the things that theologians have been pondering for generations is how could you fall to pride in heaven as the most beautiful of all angels but it happened and there are numerous scripture passages we're going to turn to Isaiah how you are fallen from heaven O Lucifer son of the morning how you are cut down to the ground you who weaken the nations for you have said in your heart I will ascend into heaven I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. And so, not only did he fall and was cast out of heaven, but so did his fellow fallen angels who now become known as demons. When Jesus would move to someone and cast a demon out of them, that person talking back, or that entity, I should say, talking back to him is a fallen angel. So now all of a sudden, here we're in the Garden of Eden, and Lucifer is going to play the same game on Eve that he did that got him thrown out of heaven. It's about pride, and it's about destruction of God's kingdom. 1 John 3, 8, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. He's real. And if Jesus had to come to destroy his works, that means these works have power to them, they're influential, and he's out to get you. And the Bible makes it really clear that you are to engage this battle, not by chasing Satan all over the place, but by standing your ground defensively in truth. This passage in James is so encouraging. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. But make no mistake about this, we're fighting a very real enemy. And this familiar passage in, in 1 Peter, again, helps us see the stakes that are, that are, are waiting there for us. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Well, guess who the someone is? It's you. It's me. He's prowling. He's waiting. But what I am so saddened by in our culture, and this is appropriate as we move toward Halloween again, and I just say to myself, in two weeks it'll be over. Yay. So is this casual disbelief of Satan in our culture and on these channels that have, you know, the, the ghost hunters and all this nonsense that is just playing with a realm we should have nothing to do with. Nothing. Don't watch that garbage. Here's, here's what Billy Graham said. Billy Graham had some wisdom. And, and here's what he said. Don't think of Satan as a harmless cartoon character with a red suit and a pitchfork. He is very clever and powerful, and his unchanging purpose is to defeat God's plans at every turn, including his, God's plans for your life. 
And so this isn't a costumed character. Now, I'm not saying that if a youngster shows up at your door and is dressed as Satan, that you should, like, you know, slam the door in their face. They're likely probably not believers and you need to treat them with love. But what I am saying is don't fool around with this stuff and understand the reality of what's happening here because his strategy is to destroy you. His ultimate goal, his ultimate goal is what he wanted from the very beginning, and that is the throne of Christ. And you're in the way. And so he'll take you down with him. And his strategies vary, but they're very specific to our own individual character and situations. He uses oppression and severe discouragement where we, 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 we say we can't do this anymore. He uses severe bouts of temptation, like sexual temptation, and the, the temptation to be popular or recognized. He uses confusion, like he did with the Nichols, where they couldn't get through a, a presentation. These people sit in my office who have been reading the Bible for decades and look at me and go, yeah, well, I know what the Bible says, but... That's confusion. He also wants our faith to fail. And so he will put us in situations that we feel like we are losing our faith or that we don't have anything to believe in. And sometimes there's just this gnawing, unexplainable lack of joy. Satan has a strategy. So be sure that you understand that your battle is a spiritual battle. And the first step to fighting Satan is to believe in that he's real and that he's out to get you just like he was out to get the nickels in Senegal. And so in order to break through this victory against this very real enemy, we need some weaponry. Because you don't want to go into a war without some kind of armament. So you can break through the enemy by using spiritual weapons. And we're going to talk about some of those spiritual weapons right now because it's important that we understand how important they are. Look at verses 3 and 4 again. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Now that's an important verse. The weapons we use are not of the flesh. They have divine power. And here Paul is again responding to this charge of weakness, stating that he does walk in the flesh, meaning he is subject to limitations. He, he does struggle with the things that we struggle with, but he does not wage war as the world does with humanly devised schemes because we have to go to a different place. We've got to find weapons that can pierce this realm that we know very little about and that we certainly aren't qualified to do battle in. Now, Paul's readers would have understood this metaphor of a stronghold because in ancient cities like Corinth, they would have this fortress, usually on the south side of the city. And when they were being invaded, all the people of the city would go and they'd find their refuge in the fortress. And these fortresses were strong and it was hard to take them down. And so he's saying that in this spiritual fortress of Satan, the only thing that's going to take it down is spiritual weapons. And the strongholds here specific to this passage 
refer specifically to arguments and any pretension that goes up against the knowledge of God. These are arguments made against the gospel. These are ideas and reasonings and philosophies and false religion that keep people in bondage and drive them away from God into eternal torment. This is what Paul wants to break through in this particular passage. He wants to free people from bondage. He wants to set them free to to, to be with Jesus and win the day. And so he's saying we have different kinds of weapons. Let's find out what they are first. Prayer is a breakthrough spiritual weapon. You need to be praying to have the kind of influence to win the day. The Bible commands us to pray against spiritual warfare. Paul, in, back in Ephesians 6, 6, 18, tells us that we should be praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance making supplication, making a petition for other believers. Even when Jesus was teaching how to pray, using the Lord's Prayer as a template, he dealt with spiritual warfare. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Jesus was well aware of this whole dilemma that we are in, but I love the way Jesus would confront demons and they would look at him and go like, oh, I don't want to talk to you because I know who you are. And then he'd say, well, you have to be quiet. Total command over them. But he knew the struggle that we were going to have. So if you look at verse 5, prayer helps us to take every thought captive to Christ. This is how we destroy enemy strongholds because this is a battle for the mind. And you need God. You need Christ because you are in over your head. We all are. So prayer is a great weapon because we are communing with the one who's already won the day. Secondly, the Word of God is a breakthrough spiritual weapon. The Bible. Not, you know, not your favorite devotional book. The Bible. I love devotionals, but the Bible. So we're going to go back to Ephesians 6 because... Paul specifically addresses this and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And so, you want to do battle in that realm, and you're going to go up against that kind of incredible influence and power of the angelic world, then you better be in God's Word to know what you're dealing with and to be settled in truth. And to be building a worldview from the Bible and not from culture. Fellow Christians, this is where our worldview needs to be formed. Not on TV, not in the movies, not, on, not online, here. And so, this is how we fight the battle. And, and the Bible, in the darkest of times, helps us to move forward. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us that the word is useful for reproof, for teaching, for training, for every good work. 
And so you want to go into that realm and win. The Bible is your, this is your document of truth and strategy. Because here's what Satan will do. He'll lie to you about everything. He'll lie to you about your worth. He'll lie to you about how God sees you. He'll lie to you about how you should see others. He'll lie to you about what's proper and improper. Because he is the father of lies. This, however, is truth. So how are you going to know what's a lie unless you're in the truth? This is your weapon to go into that realm because this is the very word of God. So prayer, the Bible, and then this amazing gift that we have named the Holy Spirit. This person that has been sent to us to indwell us and have Christ indwell us through the power of the Holy Spirit that is our counselor and our guide and the one who gives us wisdom and helps us to know how to navigate the culture we're in because it's so hard to move forward. I'm fascinated when I, when I see stories and, and, and documentaries about World War I. This, this, this massively bloody war, 37 million people, combatants and civilians combined, died in that war. And the thing that's astounding to me is trench warfare. They, they, they dug these trenches and they just sat in them for year, you know, for, for, for months at a time, and they could see the enemy 100 yards across. And no one could move, because if you popped your head out, you get shot at. And meanwhile, people were dying of disease, and it was just ugly, ugly stuff. This is how we feel sometimes as Christians. We're stuck in the trench. How do you move forward when every time you poke your head up and try to gain some faith and, and try to do something for God, you just get shot at? It's by trusting the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. The Holy Spirit is God. He's by every essence God. He is fully God, and He has the power to help you navigate this. It's a, he's a gift. And, and, and the way to appropriate these weapons, the best way to appropriate them is to help create community with other believers so that they can help you understand truth, they can help you decipher lies in your life, and they can mentor you to learn how to use the Word of God properly. The Holy Spirit is a wonderful weapon. Jesus said this in John 14, I will ask the Father and He will give you another helper, that He may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see Him or know Him, but you know Him because He abides with you and will be in you. Notice this language right here, Spirit of what? Truth. Up and against the Father of lies. So we are fighting an ideological war against a liar. But, but thankfully, there is a victory at hand. And what Paul's really after here, here, here's Paul's goal in this, is after the war is over, he wants believers to obey and he wants justice to follow those who don't. This is the after effect of war. Look at verse 6. Being ready to punish every disobedience, which your obedience is complete. What, here's what, when your obedience is complete, pardon me. Here's, here's what he's saying. Two-pronged approach here. First, he wants the church to follow him because he's been 
given this responsibility by Christ as an apostle. So when the church follows him, the church is following Christ. And once the church is behind him, he can begin to address the false teachers and false apostles. Which then, he wants to lead them to Christ. But if they don't, they will be punished. They will get justice. He wants people to live in freedom and obedience. But this whole passage is telling us that we're fighting the battle of ideology. And the strongholds of Satan are so, well, they look so solid. They look so impenetrable. I mean, the people that espouse them are so smart. I mean, who could refute Bill Nye, the science guy? Richard Dawkins is the leading atheist. The guy's brilliant. But we don't, we don't have to go toe-to-toe with him. Thankful there, there are people that can. But our job is to engage spiritually through prayer and the Bible and the Holy Spirit. And that's where our power comes from. Against these evil ideologies that are straight from the pit of hell, like evolution, like abortion, like gender modification, and the like. We don't want to rant and rave. Because these are, again, we're not, guys, we're not in battle against the people. We're in battle against the enemy of this dark world, and that is Satan. Prayer, the Bible, the Holy Spirit, other believers that help you. But there are those who decide not to fight, and they they sit by the wayside. So the question I want to ask you this morning is, what if I decide not to fight? What, What if I stay in the trench? Well, You can either take this seriously or you can get swallowed up and you're going to get lied to and you're going to start buying the lie and you're going to make a mess of your life. And if you're not a believer, the end game for you is the same end game as for Lucifer, Satan, the devil. Revelation 20.10, and the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever Let me tell you one thing about Satan. He reads the Bible. And so he knows the end. Now, whether he's buying it or not, I can't tell you that much. But what I will say is that he's going to try to take you down with him. And so today I would just plead with you, if you are a follower of Christ, to take this spiritual battle seriously. Engage it, not in an offensive way. I don't want you chasing demons all over the place. What I want you to do is stand your ground, Center yourself on truth, become a prayer warrior, and then you'll find yourself winning battles. If you're not a believer, you can win this battle by simply giving your life to Christ. Jesus has offered himself on the cross. He's already died for your sin. All you need to do is believe in faith that he is the Son of God and that he has died for sin. So your sins are forgiven if you ask, and you can have eternal life. So this morning you have to decide. What I want you to do is, I don't want you to give in to the enemy. I want you to fight and win because we have the power of Christ. But in order to have victory, we have to change our mindset. We have to stop thinking temporally because there's a whole world out there that we don't understand. And we can't exist in it. It's an unseen world. But that's where we need to focus because that's where victory is. That's where the war really is. Now for 
the Nichols, they're still in the battle. And no one in that tribe yet has made a, a public profession of Christ. But victory will come because they know who they're up against. So pray unceasingly. Read the Bible like your life depended on it because it does. And then follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And you can win the battle. You can break through enemy lines. And victory can be yours. Let's pray. Thank you for joining us on the Ridgewood Church Podcast. We encourage you to receive the message that was just given and let the Lord do a mighty work in and through you. For more information on how to connect, give to this ministry, or for more faith-based resources, visit us at myrwc.org.